Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their stories of the journey to building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we are taking some time to recognize the folks who have helped us excel. Um, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest is in the process of obtaining his pilot's license, his private pilot's license, and check this out, restoring a 1974 Corvette. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he enjoys creating memories with his family, uh, things like going to the zoo, the museum, aquarium, and a trip to Disney. And that all makes sense here when I ask him to tell us about uh, his family. And he's proud of uh, growing his business five times its original size in the in less than 10 years. That is incredible. It's my pleasure to welcome Andy to the show today. Hello, Andy. Hello. All right. Hey, let's start with having you um, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you're born, where you live, and about your family. Absolutely. Yeah. From, so I'm from... I'm East Central Indiana. I was born in Connersville and uh, you know, still here today. That's where my where I started my business at. And then uh, we've expanded to a couple of locations. And so, you know, we can talk about that further. But yeah, I uh I was actually so dedicated to my business and my schooling and you know, so on and so forth that I actually didn't get married until I was 35 years old. So I was almost a professional bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh got married, found the found the love of my life. And now I have two kids. Um, you know, I'm 40 years old now, but I have a four-year-old and an almost a two-year-old. And so, yeah, the Disney trip that you mentioned there in February, uh, my wife will be turning, oh, geez, putting me on the spot. She'll be turning 37 uh, while we're down there. Then a week later, my daughter turns two. Aww. And so, uh, yeah, we figured we'd make a make a trip out of it and go down and kind of celebrate and, you know, have a good time. So Fantastic. And what's yep. your wife's name? But her name is Amanda. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, getting that pilot's license. That sounds exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always had, well, I should say always, but you know, for the last 10 years, I've always wanted to go out and get uh, get my pilot's license. And I see it as almost like the ultimate sign of freedom, right? You're really buying a lot of time. I actually had a friend that came down last Tuesday and he picked me up. And of course, you're familiar with Indiana. So we flew from the east side of indiana all the way over to Terre Haute, and we got there in 30 minutes we ate dinner kind of checked out some of his planes and did some things and we got back all in about three and a half hours and so nice. it was pretty pretty cool but yeah so I'm, I'm about 30 hours in and um you know taking my time you know really trying to get the the, the studying down you don't want to make any mistakes when you're flying right. <laughs> so you uh um i'm really looking forward to it get my get my pilot's license and really just kind of you know, traveling around the state and local areas. And then, you know, once you get enough hours logged, you can, you know, start to take longer trips and things, but you got to be super careful with it. But yeah, I see it as a great way to buy some time. Very cool. And you're uh, restoring a Corvette. Yep. Yeah. So the story on that was uh, in 1987, I was five years old. My dad bought a car and uh, drove it, you know, and had some fun in it. And then uh, he actually had it painted, stripped it all the way down to the fiberglass, had it painted, and I was 10 years old at that time. And then the car kind of got bounced around from garage to garage. And he started restoring it about 15, 16 years ago and then got kind of pricey for him, I think. And then he lost interest. And so, uh, you know, a few years back, I said, hey, you know, the Corvette's still in great, great shape. And he gave it to me. And uh, so I've been I've been doing that ever since. And like most projects, they take longer than what they should. <laughs> of course, they cost more than what they should. But uh 
it's uh it's been great working with my dad uh we get together on on weekends when we have time and uh it's getting close i mean we got it running we got it running up and down the driveway and everything so it's kind of in the the home stretch there so oh that's a lot of fun what a great way to spend time with your dad yep so andy is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today you know, I, I was kind of racking my brain on that. I think, um, you know, if, if anything, my wife loves to tell the story about how we met. And of course, there's always two versions of that. Right? <laughs> so, you know, quickly at back, geez, it, it's really kind of a, an interesting story because uh, um, back in 2010, the beginning of 2010, basketball is pretty big. High school basketball is pretty big in my community. So, uh, I went with a friend and I, we went to the basketball game. We got amazing for a high school gym. It's it's an amazing uh, gymnasium. And so anyway, it's really huge, big. And I'm sitting there on the bleachers. And I happen to look over to my right and I see this really pretty girl. And I'm thinking, man, I've never seen this girl before. It's a pretty small town. I wonder who she is. Well, you know, a few minutes go by, I look back over and she was looking in my direction. There weren't a whole lot of people in between us. And so I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, she's looking at me. And so, you know, I think, okay, well, you know, maybe she's not. Maybe she's not. A few minutes go by. And I look back over, and she's looking in my direction again and smiling. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I tell my buddy, like, hey, this girl's looking at me and smiling. I've got to go over and talk to her now. And he says, yeah, man, okay, let's go. And so I start making my way over there after the game's over. And, you know, I, I think I said something along the line. lines of, like, hey, you know, I haven't seen before. You know, you must be from out of town. So, you know, we were playing Richmond. And I said, you know, looks like your team won. And she goes, what? And right then and there, I knew she was not looking at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl is not looking at me. And then, and the way that was, her bleachers, the bleachers, you know, she was standing up a couple of rows. So she was looking down on me and just mentally, I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and so, and then I look over and think of it, my buddy is still sitting over there. He didn't walk over with me. And And I totally panicked and kind of mumbled do some things and then she's like okay I gotta go and then she left I'm like oh my gosh it's so embarrassing <laughs> and then uh <laughs> and then so somehow I I she wound up find out who I was and then who she was I mean all this and we figured that out but then it was almost to a point where it was almost too embarrassing and so I just kind of let it go and I actually started dating another girl for about three or four years and and then you know that didn't that didn't work out and then a few months later um, we kind of, we got back together and, you know, here we are. So it was, it was kind of, wow. I guess you would call it. So, but yeah, she loved to tell that story about how we met. And I was, you know, I, I like to, <laughs> I like to tell my version of it. She's got hers. And so but probably a little bit more truth in her story. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So which version did you share today? Hers or yours? Uh, I, more hers. Than okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy, tell us how the business came about and at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, went to optometry school, so I'm, so I'm an eye doctor and then uh, had a golden opportunity to come back home. And my, my dad, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the first generation to graduate graduate from college and definitely from obviously from uh, professional school or optometry school. And so my dad was actually um, driving a school bus. He worked in a factory for years and then, you know, drove a school bus. So I really didn't have a lot of, you know, financial help or anything. So I wasn't just kind of take over the family business thing. There was none of that, but there was a, there was a doctor that was in my, in our business or excuse me, in our community that been in business for about 35 years. And he was looking to retire. And I went in and just said, Hey, 
Hey, you know, what are your goals? What are you looking to do? And he said, yeah, I'd love to sell the place. And, you know, and, and so I graduated in May of 08 and worked with him. And then January of 09, you know, just seven months later after I graduated, he said, Hey, what do you think? I said, yeah, it's a great place. He's like, well, do you want to buy it? I'm like, well, I really don't know anything about running a business. And he said, that's okay. I'm going to stick around for a couple of years and I'll show you, you know, what I know, and what I've learned. I said, okay, that's great. So he kind of mentored me and coached me, which was excellent. And then, you know, he retired in January of 11. So two years later, well, the building that we were in was maybe 800 square feet. We had uh, at the time three part-time staff and I knew that just was not going to take me very far into the future. And so I think I read one time where CVS pharmacy has this philosophy or mindset that they won't build another building outside of eyesight of their current building. And that's true in our community. Cause they, it was, it was funny. They built a new building just down the street. And so I thought that's a great philosophy, especially since I'm new to town. Looked across the street and there was a uh, was an empty lot. And so I bought the lot and I was talking to my accountant and I said, you know, I got this lot built. I'm saving up money. And I was actually still living with my dad, trying to save up all the money that I could. And uh, my accountant said, well, you know, how soon are you looking to put a building up? I said, well, as soon as you know time allows. And this is back in 2011 after the housing crisis. And, you know, so interest rates were incredibly low and all that. But he had introduced me to this venture capitalist and it was a guy in the community, a, a very successful business owner himself. He had an engineering company and, you know, he brought me in and he said, okay, tell me what you want. And so I laid out what I wanted for the building and he said, we'll general contract it and we'll fund it. And, you know, you just pay me back and there's no money down. He really took great care of me, really helped me out and uh, build a, uh, you know, 3,100 square foot a building with a full basement underneath so you can call it 62 if you want but um you know took off from there and then you know i just grinded it out man monday through saturday was working hard and hired some extra staff and then uh i realized that i was like oh my gosh i'm getting really really successful and you know during that time right at that same time i opened my business when i got really busy i i didn't know a lot about business actually itself, you know, PLs, balance sheet, cash flow statements, sure. all those things. What are the P's and Q's? And 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 you know, my account helped me some, but then I actually ran across a business coach and he was predominantly in dentistry and optometry and chiropractic and, and those things. And so uh I started working with them and became really involved. And I thought, oh my gosh, he taught me a lot, sure about the business, you know, the actual uh you know the numbers and things, but it was a lot about leadership and it was a lot of self-awareness and a lot of, you know, you're the the bottleneck in your business and you've got to understand the business doesn't revolve around you. I mean, it should revolve around your patient base or your patients, but then you can't do it all, right? You have to go beyond just yourself. And so then I thought, oh, wow, you know, I need to hire another doctor. And so, you know, they said, okay, yeah, hire a doctor. This is how you do it. And I went through went through and I hired a doctor who actually happened to be one of my classmates, but he was working in Kentucky, came back and, um, you know, he started seeing patients with me and we started getting bigger and bigger. And I felt like we were at capacity in our current location. So I opened up another location and started building that up, hired another doctor, I think in 2018, that went well. So I hired another doctor in 2019 and started our third location. And so, uh, and, you know, and here we are today, we're just continuing to grow those practices and, uh, and, uh, move on so yeah congratulations so um tell us andy more specifically what do you guys do how do you help the community 
Absolutely. So yeah, as I mentioned, I'm an optometrist. And so uh, obviously we take care of patients in the form of, you know, glasses, contact lenses, ocular disease, your glaucoma, macular degeneration. We co-manage diabetic patients, you know, do other things. But I think that's what's expected of us is to do those things, to go above and beyond and actually be an asset in the community, I think is what is really needed. And so we do that. And so we take and we, we donate our time you know, and we, we, we really like to donate financially. And so there's some endowments we contribute to. We try to sponsor, you know, whatever's, whatever's asked upon us. And even we look out in the community and see what we feel there's a need um, and try to try to give some money. We feel that money is the greatest resource with which you have to do good. Right. I mean, I know there's a lot of negative stigma around money and whatnot, but you know, my experience with it is, man, you know, if they're building a new park in our community and we were able to donate, you know, uh, a large sum of money to try to try to help with that. And it's kind of in an impoverished area. And we think it's going to be it's going to be great. You know, it should be done this year. Um, but, you know, because of our size and our growth mentality, we're able to actually contribute a larger piece of money to that larger piece of the pie that they're asking for. So I was really thankful for that. Really thankful that we're able to do that. I love that perspective. So you said earlier, there's negative connotations about money. So I love yeah. how you've shifted that to well, no, the more money that our company makes, the more we're able to give back and help the community, which is just an incredible perspective, right? So now money's not bad. It's actually good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And actually, uh, you know, my team, God love them. You know, I didn't know anything about money until I got some coaching, right? Because like I said, I didn't come from money. I didn't know anything, anything about it. So, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm actually bringing in a trainer from our coaching company and then we're going to shut down the office and we're actually I'm going to teach my team financial stewardship. Mm -hmm. Right. And so talking about, you know, net worth statement, personal cash flow, personal financial statements, you know, how do you manage money? How do you what do you do if you have a lot of credit card debt? I think it's incredibly important that my team understands that. Right. Because. You know, as a business owner, what can really happen if you're not careful, especially in this time with this, what I would call my term of hyperinflation, maybe not hyper, but high inflation. And uh, I, I think what can happen, especially since we just turned the year, is people want are expecting raises, mm -hmm. which rightfully so. I understand you have to pay your team and they have a life to live. And, and that's great. But you can kind of fall if you're not careful as a business owner, you can fall prey to the idea that you as a business owner are financially responsible for your team members or your employees personal debt obligations right so you know if you have a team member that comes and says oh my gosh i need a raise because i have this amount of debt or i only have so much money in my bank account so you're going to have to give, give me a raise that's not how this really works one of right. our core values is opportunities based upon merit and not entitlement and so um, the more value you can bring to the practice, the bigger your raise you're going to get. And they all got great raises and their performance-based raises, you know, and they're great. But if you're not really careful as a business owner, even, or an employer, wherever you're at, your expenses will always rise to meet your income. You know, you can, right. you can make $50,000 a year, you'll find a way to spend it. And you can make a hundred thousand, you'll find a way to spend it. And, you know, I know of people that are making roughly $500,000 a year that are living paycheck to paycheck. Right cause they don't have any kind of self-discipline or habits that are created around money right. and so it, you got to be super careful so anyway i'm bringing my you know some people in to coach my team and really teach some things so i'm looking That's forward awesome. to that. yeah fantastic i appreciate the fact that you're you know you continually investing in your team and helping them yeah. to become better versions of themselves which is 
you know, very different than the the typical corporate world of right P employees are numbers. So uh, yeah, it's awesome. Andy, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could, and the impact that that person had on you. Yeah, I've got a I've got a great friend. He's actually a uh, uh, couple graduated a couple years ahead of me from school, but uh, kept in touch with him. And actually, his sister graduated with me. She's also an eye doctor, and so they're a family. And up in north, uh, yeah, northwest Indiana, they've got a pretty large family practice, and they started. You know, uh, their dad had been working for 30 plus years and then they joined him and they took it from and they, they've actually almost technically they've about nine X their practice in the last 15 years. And so, you know, they went from three locations and now I think they have 11 or 12 and they had three doctors and now they've got like 12 or 13. And so they're taking these big, huge steps. And I'm, I was literally texting him and, you know, last night and asking questions and, you know, they're just years ahead of me. And so it, he's he. He has the same mentality that I do, right? And, and he's like, you know, if you're going to grow, man, you got to take these big, make a make one big decision every year and execute it. You got to go through with it. And you know, there have been times I'm like, eh, I don't know, man, that's a lot of money. That's a big risk. <laughs> that's this, and you know, and, and he would say, okay, well then, just don't do it. Don't do it. And stay exactly where you're at. And, you know, then, then, then don't get the success that you feel that you deserve. Don't live up to your God-given talent, right? And I thought, okay, yeah, he's right. I need to stop, you know, throwing myself a pity party. Or <laughs> from myself. And so, you know, I figured it out. You know, I, the most intentional person will always win. And mm. I, I thought, you know, being intentional, I, I've got to have these goals and execute them and follow through. And yeah, it's scary when you're, you know, investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into your business. And you're like, oh my gosh, I hope this really works out. <laughs> yeah, you have to operate off, of, you know, faith or fear and I'll pick faith. Yeah. And uh, it, it's worked out. You know, I, not every decision that I've made has panned out, sure. you know, and it's a total myth that somebody believes that oh every every business decision I've made and everything I've invested in has given a a, a positive ROI. No, <laughs> it certainly is not. I've had more wins than losses, but I've learned so much more from the losses than I did the wins. Sure, right? You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Our our founder says that he's he's never failed. He's either been successful or he's learned, and I, yep. I love that perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Andy, what's your biggest learning as a business owner? Yeah, I think that it's it's to not be afraid to take risk, mm. right? I think that's the one thing that separates a lot of business owners. In my profession, I, I talk to you know doctors and they're really intelligent. And I'll go to these seminars, conventions, and I'll talk with them and I'll think, man, that's a brilliant idea. Oh wow, that's just great, you know. And I start to talk with them a little bit more, and, you know, and I, I kind of get to the point. So wow, it's a great idea, you know. Uh, how's that idea working for you? Is are you you know? And they say, oh well, you know, I'm kind of you kind of allude to. Well, you know, I'm in my mid to late fifties. I'm really not looking to do that. I'm just kind of looking on cruise control. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, okay. And then I, I talked to a lot of young optometrists that are either, you know, at the end of their, their education in optometry school, or they're starting their education, you know, they're starting their, excuse me, the profession. Uh, and, and you gotta, you gotta prioritize what you really want. <clears throat> and you can, you can do both. I mean, you can have a family, you can do all these things, but if you come right out of school and you think you got to own a Mercedes and a $300,000 house <laughs> and you're gonna, you're gonna struggle to get your business off the ground. I'm not sure. saying you can't do it, but it's going to be tough. But, but the one thing you can't be, it's, you can't be risk averse if you're going to really take on that entrepreneurial spirit 
and really be a, a, a super successful business owner to meet your goals. You've got to be able to take that risk and it needs to be educated risk. Mm -hmm. And that's why you reach out to coaches, you reach out to mentors, you have these other people that, you know, can really help you. And just because you have those people doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes, Sure, you know, but it, it does mean that you're getting, you know, uh, some clarity in what you're doing. And they've probably been down that road before. And it's like, Hey, listen, this is what I did. Don't do this. Right. I, I made this mistake. Don't, don't go. Does it go? Oh my gosh. Cause that's happened before. I'm like, thanks so much for telling me. Cause I was just getting ready to do what you told me not to do. <laughs> right? you know? And it saved me so much time and money and heartache. And I was really, really thankful for some of those things. So, yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. So if I was, if you think about maybe the biggest, um, uh, challenge that you've had in your business. So we know that success doesn't happen in isolation. So um, give us an example of one of your biggest challenges during the years and maybe a fellow business owner who helped you to get through that. Yeah, I think some of the biggest challenges I get is trying to get, you know, I love my team. Team is great. What you, what you have to understand is uh, your, your, your employees are probably never going to be quite as passionate or quite as dedicated to your business is what you are. And it's because you own it. It's your, your, you know, your, your, I want to say your baby, but you know, your mindset. And I have several team leaders, right? And that's why they're leaders because they're very, very dedicated and they're great. And I'm very thankful. My whole team is great. I, I, I literally was telling them, you know, this week in an all team meeting, this is the best team I've had in 15 years. Right. And, and uh, I think the biggest challenge that I have is getting everybody pulling the same way. And mm -hmm. what I mean is, you know, I use this analogy in my team meeting, uh, you know, this week, uh, or, sorry, it was last week. Uh, and, and I'm not comparing people to this, but I'm just saying the concept you've been to, you know, you've seen on maybe a movie or, you know, maybe you've seen in New York and you have a dog walker and they've got like 10 dogs mm. and the dogs are just going everywhere. Right. And the guy's just like fighting with all these leashes and the leashes are getting crossed and <laughs> fighting and everything. Right. Yeah. You know, that's what you don't want. What you want is you want a team of horses where you've got this carriage in the stable and all the horses are going the same direction. OK, now I use those those uh, rephrasings or reframings very loosely. I'm not the guy on the back that's cracking the whip. That's not that's not what I'm saying. OK, I'm saying as a team, we've got to move in the same direction. We can't have all 10 people going the other way. And so I think that's where, you know, having a mission statement, ha having excellent communication, having core values and talking about those core values and having a leader that really utilizes and lives because your team will be a reflection of you. Right. You know, if you're there and you're dedicated and you believe the best in them and you want the best for them and you expect the best from them, they'll perform well. But I found that there are two things, two main things that team members really, really want more than anything. And it's not money. One is to be appreciated. And number two is to be wanted. If you can do those things, if you can really show them that you care about them, you care about their success and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll really respect you and appreciate it. It doesn't mean they won't leave or they won't go somewhere else, but it does mean that they're going to give you their best. They're going to try as hard as they can. So you mentioned the the vision and and purpose and and culture and so the the big thing is people want to be part of something you know bigger than themselves right and so yeah. the mistake that a lot of businesses make is that they hire based on you know a job description or you know mm -hmm. does the person have the right skills and experience and instead of what you're saying is hey you know do people align to our 
our vision and our culture and right are they going to fit into our dna and the you know the way that we operate and when you find those people the, those are the folks who are going to you know step up and right and want to help make in you know, make the vision come true and and are going to put in the extra effort because they feel like they're part of you know the community or part of the you know the dna of the organization as opposed to someone just showing up for a paycheck yeah Absolutely. You know, and we, we, our interview process or hiring process is maybe a little bit different than, you know, your average business to where we don't actually accept applications, at least not initially, right? We haven't filled up the, the forms and all the stuff that are required, but what we do is we, we post an ad and then we post a, uh, a phone number, right? And then they have to call the phone number and then the phone number explains the position and then it says you know we used to have them send us an email and in the email we would ask for their work history and you know this but then we would say write us just a short essay stating we should hire you over everybody else and so what we're doing now is we're going to ask for a 60 second video and they just send it to us that way we can kind of just see how they talk and see how they you know how they act and how you know if they really have the um confidence to be able to do the actual video right and so what that's done is you know we hire just for one position sometimes we would get up to like almost 70 applications for that one position well now it's trimmed it all the way down to like five or six and so um you know and that's that's part of the culture that's part of what we're looking for you know if you're able to do those things as opposed to just fill out you know click submit or apply on indeed which indeed's great but uh, you know, we use it as a little bit different tool. And so I think it helps us screen some of those people that are actually willing to, you know, follow directions. And, and, you know, I think that really helps. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we coach our clients something similar. We call it the a deselection process. So the idea is, right. I love your point, right. If, if you get 50 applications, um, a lot of those people have just hit the button because they need to, right, to get their benefits or whatever. And so yeah. by a- asking them to take an additional step, you've put that hurdle in place to have, you know, basically you're asking them to prove to you that they really are interested in the job so that you don't have to waste internal resources, screening resumes, right, until you know that, oh, well, really, instead of 80, there was only five people that truly we're interested in the position yeah. and now we can focus all of our time and energy on those five people. Right. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Andy, if I, um, if I was to ask you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there for your business's growth, who would those three people be and how they help you? Yeah. So the first one uh, I think would be, uh, you know, Rob Moses. He's the guy that I was talking about where his family's really, really grown. Rob's been great to me. Great friend. Great mentor. He's really given me a lot of insight. He's always been there for me. When I text him, call him, man, it's not, you can tell it's not a burden on him. And, it, you know, he's he's been just so, so kind to me and so great. So I'm very thankful for that. I think, uh, you know, the second guy uh, would be uh, a guy named Jay Geyer. He's been my coach as far as through the Scheduling Institute out of Atlanta. Um, you know, I've been with him for roughly 10 years and has really, really, really helped me with that, you know, put things into perspective and, and, and just developed me into a, a better leader, I think, or into a leader. And, uh, you know, he's, it's been great, really thankful there. And so I think the third person would, uh, you know, probably be my dad, Kevin, you know, he, uh, he's great. Dad is a worker, you know, the discipline and mentality that he has, you know, he's got a small business himself, but, 
uh, he's given me a lot of good ideas and said, Andy, you ought to think about this. And then, you know, of course, as your dad, you're thinking, ah, dad, that's not going to work. You know, it'd be all right. And then you start <laughs> to think about it and think, man, he was really sharp. That's just a great idea, you know? And, yeah. But he's been my, you know, he and, and of course my wife, uh, have been my greatest supporters. You know, they've been great. I'm very, very thankful for him. And, you know, I think the fourth person would be my wife, Amanda, you know, um, you know, I, I, I women, I'm sure you've probably figured this out by now, but women are actually smarter than men. And, and I'm <laughs> working with, you know, dozens of women and I've got, you know, 17 women I work with now and it's great. And they have, you know, I could pitch an idea to them and, and, you know, especially my wife and she'd be like, that's, that's probably not going to work. You can try it. But then I think, but yeah, she's right. I, I probably shouldn't do that. You know? <laughs> so it's, uh, and, and it's great. And if I'm having a tough day or I got questions about like, Hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? So well, I think this, this, and this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's right. You're, you're correct. You know? So <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. She's, she's great. Yeah. You mentioned um, having the support as well. So, you know, owning a business is not always uh, positive and rosy, right? There's definitely a roller coaster ride. So having, having, uh, you know, at least from my perspective, my wife knowing that she supports me, that she's a hundred percent in, and that you know I can tell her anything, and right, it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter, right? She's gonna help me to think through it and and yeah. focus back on what matters and. And when I'm, you know, down, he's like, yeah, you know what? That's okay. You're going to get it back or you'll, you know, you'll get back to a better place. It's fine. So um, it's just been an, an incredible blessing to have that support. So I'm happy to hear that, that you have that as well. Yep, absolutely. So if you, as we think about the, the next three to five years, Andy, what's the biggest challenge that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals that you have for the business? And who are the types of people that you're going to need to work through those challenges. Yeah. So from a business standpoint, I've been taught that there's really just a couple of areas to put your money in order to grow your practice, right? You know, there's marketing, there's human capital, there's clinical duplication, there's space and equipment. And then you can kind of wrap all four of those things in like a financial aspect because they all have to do with money, right? And so whenever I think about, okay, where are my roadblocks in the next three to five years? Where, where are going to be some areas that I'm going to struggle with? Well, you know, we have capacity in our, our in two of our locations, our main location, as far as the amount of patients we can see, you know, we're kind of at capacity, it, we can probably see some more, but then you would kind of jeopardize uh, the experience that patients would have, and you don't want to, you know, have the mentality of rack them and stack them. And so right. I think, you know, after we go through all those buckets of things where we can invest, I think the biggest thing for me is going to be what we call clinical duplication. So that means hiring other doctors, right? And, you know, in East Central Indiana, it's, it's a good little community, but there aren't, you know, you don't have the tremendous amount of restaurants and amenities you're going to have outside of Indianapolis or in Indianapolis or Cincinnati or things. And so it's small town life. We got a beautiful, if you love the outdoors, this is, the, this is one of the best places in the state to be because we have a lake, uh, we've got several state parks. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's really, really cool. Um, but I think, yeah, looking forward, it's, it's going to be more finding those doctors and get them to come to this area and really get them ingrained in our community and really do those things. And they're out there. You just have to keep constantly looking for them and educating or, or, or marketing for them and going and networking and talking with them. And you just, you got to get out of your office. You gotta, you gotta, you, know, you can't just post post an ad on a random job posting website and, and, and hope that they come. We call that, as you heard, that's probably, you know, post and pray. I'm going to post <laughs> and pray and somebody yeah. replies, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that'll be my greatest 
thing. And then the second is, again, human capital, finding the right people to really embrace our vision and our core values and really help drive the practice in that direction. And, you know, uh, and, and to not just have team members that just are here for a paycheck. Money's important. I get it. You know, but it's it's uh, there's got to be a greater meaning. So, yeah. You mentioned um, uh, marketing the position, which is key for folks listening is, you know, there's a difference between just posting an ad or or in some cases, some people only post the job description, which is not the right thing, because, you know, you want to you want to market your your company and the position yeah. and, and have people be excited about it. Right. And so making sure that you're thinking through, well, how do I how do I market this job as opposed to just post the job ad? Right. So, yeah, I think that's a yeah. key distinction and important. And what, and one thing, one tip that I would say that's really helped us that actually was able to help, uh, help us hire our uh, most recent doctor was we had a professional videographer come in and, you know, come in and just make a video on the culture and what we really do. And they actually kind of get a feeling oh, of awesome. the practice just by watching this short, you know, I think it's maybe one and a half or two minutes. And, you know, every job posting, we would post the ad, but then we'd say, hey, you know, please click on this link. And, you know, this is going to tell you more than what this description can tell you. And, you know, click on the link and, you know, it was, it was great. We're getting ready to re kind of revamp that video. We did it uh, right during uh, 2020. So we're going to have another videographer come in and people think, oh boy, that's going to be incredibly expensive. Yeah. It's an invest. It's an investment. It's not cheap, but it's not expensive. Right. Um, and you got to look at your ROI, you know, it might cost you a couple thousand bucks to do it and to put it in place and take the time, but it, it will return such great things for your practice. You got to think outside the box a little because all those job postings, when you post, <laughs> right. yeah. all look the same, they all look the same and you got to stand out a little bit. Yeah. Well, and to, to that point, we've all had experiences where we've brought the wrong person on to the, into the company, or we've been in a company and, and a wrong person was hired. And that's way more painful and costly than yeah. taking spending a little bit more time in the recruiting process and investing in the video, as you suggested, to get the right fit, right? then get the wrong fit and have to go through the, the, the firing process and rehiring process. So that, that the, incremental cost up front is going to be well worth it in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. So last question here, Andy, is uh, Jim Rohn uh, said that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So as you reflect on that, what advice would you have for business owners who feel like they do need to do it on their own, right? That they have to become self-made, that they, they shouldn't be reaching out to other people for help? Yeah, I think being self-made is, is a total myth and you can really get, you know, away from that because you're in your own little world. And if you don't go out and network and connect with people and, and, and reach out to people that are doing really, really well, you're going to start to believe that you <clears throat> that you are really self-made and that can lead to self-sabotage. Mm right? You can really do a lot of damage to your business by having that mentality. And so you, you really need to look, you know, into your, into your network of people. And if you don't have anybody that you think, well, you know, I really can't go to anybody, you're going to have to make an effort to go out there and do that. And the one thing that I've found, you know, I've, I've, I've come across some great business owners and business leaders that are, you know, outside of my industry that I thought, man, I can really learn a lot from this person. I wonder if I could reach out to them and I reach out to them and to say, hey, you know, would you care to have just a 15, converse, 15 minute conversation about this? You know, and it's not about me asking them for money. It's not about me. And I'd never do that. 
But I found that that 15-minute conversation turned into an hour conversation because they are so willing to give you advice on their success. They, they I mean, it's like, I, I've been like, oh, geez, we're hitting 15 minutes. Oh, you know, well, you know, Mr. Smith, thank you so much for your time. And then they just keep talking. Like, oh, well, Andy, what else you got going on? Well, you know, I got this. I'm like, oh, well, this is what we did, you know? <laughs> yeah. and it just turns into that. And I try not to bother those people, you know, too much because they're very busy. But, you know, I, I just... I, I just said, Hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I do. Great. Would you care to introduce me to him? Yeah, I'll introduce you to him. Hey, you know, miss, and you just start that relationship that way, but you've got to take that initiative and you can't have this mentality of just me, right? Like I, I can do it all myself. Cause you, you can, if you want, sure, you can do it, <laughs> but you're not going to be near as successful. And I don't think you're going to be near as happy, right? I think you're going to you know, you got to get out there and network and, and talk with people. And, you know, I, and what I mean, network, I mean, actually physically showing up and actually physically going to things, even if it's your local chamber of commerce, right? Um, you know, everybody knows who the successful uh, business people are in your community, you know, uh, try to reach out to them and just explain your situation and see if they'd be willing to, to help out. And uh, I, I believe that they would, but you know, online things, LinkedIn, Facebook are good, you know, but the, that that's social media, virtual networking, which is good, but you've really got to get physically in front of people. I think that helps. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for um, that advice to people. For those who are listening, um, you definitely want to make sure that you, you, you build your own personal network and, and have people that you can rely on. And, and I love what, what you shared, Andy, that, you know, 90, 99% of business owners are going to be more than willing to, you know, to share some stories and give advice because they remember what it was like in the beginning yeah. as well. And they all remember the folks who gave them time. And so I believe everybody or most people have that uh, mentality of wanting to pay it forward. Yeah. Absolutely. So Andy, you've you've been incredibly blessed. It sounds like with some uh, some awesome people in your life, so uh, that have helped you on your journey. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them? Thank you. You know, thank you for uh, having confidence in me. Thank you for you know the gratitude you give me. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all those things that you you've really given me because I've 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 tried to utilize that. I didn't take it for granted. You know, I you know the the advice that you gave me, I tried to act upon it. And thank you for the support. You know, there, there aren't a whole lot of, you know, I'm just a small town kid from, from Connorsville, Indiana. And, you know, I really statistically was not supposed to be where I am today and I'm not patting <laughs> myself on the back, but I just had a lot of great people along the way helping me. And uh, I, I truly believe that self-made is a, is a, is a myth. You know, you've, you've got to want it for yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you, but I mean, there are a lot of people out there that are pulling for you that you really don't know about. So it's, it's great. So thank you. Awesome. Andy, it has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Tom. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made as a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.